can take an Islamic approach, study history, as instructed by the ulama kiram, that when we understand history and take lessons from it. And as a matter of fact, Allah has also encouraged us, has also instructed us in the Quran and Majid, that in order to rectify our situation, then we, we need to look at the past nations, how their wrongs, to understand their wrongs and how to remedy our situations and not to fall prey to those uh, wrongs that they had done. So inshallah, today we will endeavor in the little bit of time that we have to try and cover the important aspects about Masjid Al-Aqsa and the way forward and what the Muslim Ummah can do. So number one is the ahadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Their importance, obviously, we need to understand that whenever Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions something, Allah Taala says about him, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْحَوَىٰ Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam does not speak of his own accord, does not speak of his own desires, but it is only a revelation from the side of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So when it is a revelation from the side of Allah Taala, we really, really need to take it to heart, we really need to take it serious. And to the best of our ability, we need to implement those teachings of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Failure to do so, then we will na'udhu be contributing to the conditions of the Ummah, the conditions, the unfavorable conditions of the Ummah at the moment. And then it will not be fair, it will not make sense for us then to say after that that we are follow, we are supporters or we stand firm with Palestine or any other country, Muslim country that is going through some difficulties, some turbulences. Because then we will not be true to our statement. Firstly, let us start off on hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that straighten your rows, Straighten your rows, make sure that you stand shoulder to shoulder. What is the reason and what is the wisdom that Allah Nabi says, says this? Nabi mentions that if you will fail to stand shoulder to shoulder, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause a rift, will cause your hearts to be disinclined towards one another. When your hearts are disinclined to one another, you cannot feel the pain of the next Muslim brother. Then the worst of the worst of the lot is, then the most that the person will do is, a message will come on WhatsApp, so many people were bombed, so many people were hurt, etc. Then he'll just forward it. He'll just forward it to the next person. But does it affect the person? Does that person, does it make him think that, does it stop to ponder that, oh Allah, if na'udhu billah, Allah ta'ala protect all of us, if it was my child, if it was my mother, if it was my, my, my son, if it was my family member, how would I have reacted? Do we stop to ponder? It, it, it just became that we're forwarding information. We have become desensitized. That is not how the Muslim Ummah should view things. But rather, if we go back to the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we take it seriously, we understand what the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mean. And we take it from the light of the Quran and Majid. What does Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala really want from us? Because look, there are two ways when a fitna, when a fitna, when a trial afflicts a people. Then there are two ways that we can look at it. One is, it is affecting them. It has nothing to do with me. And I can be one of two categories. One is whether I am doing good by myself or I'm not doing good by myself. One is when a person thinks that he is doing good, he's pious, he's doing righteous deeds, etc. He feels that he's not contributing towards the, the bad that is happening there. Obviously he is not. But then that is not the shan, that is not the way of a believer. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa explains to us that how a Muslim should look at calamities, how a Muslim should look at the difficulties other Muslims are facing. Inshallah, we'll get back to that later. So the point is, we should take the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam seriously. And if we don't do that, as we were explaining in the beginning, then we will lose touch, we will lose connection with all the Muslims in the Ummah. So then let us understand what is the significance, the history and the virtues of Masjid Al-Aqsa. 
So firstly, we need to understand uh, or we need to correct this first aspect that normally when people look at Masjid Al-Aqsa or they hear about Masjid Al-Aqsa, the common misconception is that we are talking about the Golden Dome or we are talking about the Masjid with the black or grey Qibla. Firstly, that is not the correct, truly correct way of looking at Masjid Al-Aqsa when talking about Masjid Al-Aqsa. We have brought on picture, inshallah, afterwards it can be stuck for our benefits so that when we see it, inshallah, we can try and relate to the halat, the conditions that are going on over there. So Masjid Al-Aqsa doesn't refer only to the Golden Dome, nor the Black Dome. But Masjid Al-Aqsa is the entire compound that is demarcated here. So the first thing is, we need to educate ourselves and we need to understand what is Masjid Al-Aqsa. When you say Masjid Al-Aqsa, one is the Masajid and all the other sanctified Masajid or areas of Salah that are in this compound. This whole compound, when you talk about it as Masjid Al-Aqsa, this is the whole compound that is referred to that we are or that the muslims are fighting to protect or we are striving and trying to get the ownership of it or when it comes in the books of history that sayna salahuddin ayyubi rahimahullah liberated it he's talking about the whole compound not just literally only the masjid obviously the masjid will be of great importance but obviously when they are sending it out or when there's a message being sent out they'll either show the dome or they'll show the structure the gray structure over there there are many areas of significance when abhi sasam for example tied his uh, burak where he performed salah with the other ambiyalimu salatu salam performed salah etc there are many areas of importance in there in this whole masjid al-aqsa compound so firstly let us understand what are we talking about when we're talking about masjid al-aqsa compound and then number two is we are not talking about we are not only talking about the structure when you say al-masjid al-aqsa but that whole area allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in various areas in the quran majid places in the quran majid when he says and we have sent them to an area where we to the area where we blessed its environs the whole area it is not necessarily the structure because then if you say it's the structure then you're going to have a problem later on because there were times in history as we'll explore later on where the entire compound was destroyed so then what happened then what will you say where was the protection of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is not only the building yes the building is protected and the, the environment, more importantly, the environment is also what we are talking about. So firstly, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the entire Masjid Al-Aqsa compound. And the second misconception that people normally have is that when you say Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the person's mind straight goes away to either Ibrahim والسلام, or it goes away to Suleiman which is correct. But the more correct thing is to understand who builds Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. It is Sayyidina Adam والسلام, and this comes in a hadith. At first, once Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which was the first masjid to be built on the surface of the earth? So then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned to Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala that it was Masjid al-Haram, it was the Kaaba, this was the first place that was built. It comes in the Quran Masjid clearly, categorically. Inna awwala bayti wudhi alin nas, lalladhi bi Bakka, the one that which the house which is at Makkah, Bakka. So then he says then, and which was, which was, the, which other masjid or which masjid followed then thereafter? So then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions to Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala that it was al-Masjid al-Aqsa. And then Sayyidina Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala asked then, Kam baynahuma? What was the difference or how long did it take uh, for uh, whoever built it at that time? He didn't know who built it. How long did it take for him to build it? Then his, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned it was 40 years, the time that it took to build Masjid al-Aqsa and al-Masjid al-Haram. But then uh, what part of it did he build? Sayyidina Adam salatu was the one who laid the foundation of Al-Masjid Al-Haram and then thereafter, after 40 years, he laid the foundation of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And then years later, Sayyidina 
Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, he was the one who brought up the structure as we learn in the Quran Majid. When Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam and his son, Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam were raising the structure of the Masjid al-Haram, then they were imploring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, oh Allah, accept from us, etc. So then he builds that. And then after that, Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam went to the, the land of Sham. That whole area, Lebanon, Jordan, current day Palestine, Jordan, all of those areas are known as Sham. So Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam ventured and then he built this structure as well, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And then after many years, Suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam did the finishing touches. He carried on with the embellishments. And then we know that when it was being built, it was embellished, it was done so well. Because Suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam had command, had, was in power of the jinn. So he brought the best of the best in terms of the architecture, in terms of the, uh, the embellishment, the stone, the precious stones. They would dive and go into the depths of the sea to bring out the pearls, etc. And it was embellished with gold, silver, emeralds, many other precious stones. As you learn later on that when the people destroyed it, then they also took away all these valuable items. So that was the, as far as the history of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is concerned, to understand the structure as well. And then the dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, which is actually the next point, why is it so significant to us? Sayyidina Suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam, sorry. Suleiman alayhi salatu wasalam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for three things, or he made dua for, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for three things. One is, was hukman yusadifu, the judgment which, confer, which conforms to the instructions or the injunctions of sharia. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him that. And then the second thing was mulkin la yambaghi li ahadin ba'dahu. That such a kingdom that is not fit for anybody after him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him that. And the third thing was that, oh Allah, whoever comes here to Masjid Al-Aqsa to perform salah, intending nothing but performing salah. Oh Allah, make it such that this person returns to his house, returns to his place, to his abode, in such a state that he is wiped off of every sin. sin. Then that he wasn't granted in his lifetime, but then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, that we hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him this as well. So this is the third three duas of Sulaiman alayhi salatu wa He basically made dua for it, that Allah accept this work from me as well. So then the second point will be, what is the significance then of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? Allah ta'ala, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions something in the Quran, it could be one of two reasons, either to praise it, or to show its insignificance in his sight. When it comes to the significance of the site, we understand Masjid al-Haram, Medina, these places are mentioned by name in the Quran and Majid. Although Medina Munawara is not mentioned by the name Medina, but it is mentioned in the Quran and Majid. And there are times where Allah SWT mentioned the ruins, for example, or the places where people used to dwell. That is to show how insignificant those areas are. And the proof of that is in the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, when you pass by the ruins or the places where the previous nations were destroyed, do not stop there. It is not a place of sightseeing. Go there as fast as, as, fast as possible so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can save you from the punishment or lest you be affected by the punishment. And there are incidents in this regard when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa commanded the people, the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala, not to use water from those areas, not to do anything in those areas. Because it is a place where upon the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had descended. So when we go out in, in our tours, etc., or on a holiday, these places you may see from afar, but don't make it a destination, a holiday destination that I want to see where, where these nations destroyed. And Nabi Sallallahu didn't like it for us. So we should also dislike it. So anyways, Allah Ta'ala mentions Masjid Al-Aqsa. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi min al-Masjid al-Haram min al-Masjid al-Aqsa alladhi barakna hawla. Glory be to that Zad, that being who took his servant. 
on a miraculous night journey from Masjid al-Haram to Masjid al-Aqsa. And then this alone goes to show, or the ulama say, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attributes something to himself, like the masajid, there are, two, there are many types of idhafat, attribution. Attribution of honor, when Allah ta'ala attributes something to himself, except in this very surah, surah Bani Israel, he says, some servants of ours we charged, and we instructed them to go destroy them. But anyway, that's besides the point. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ibadah lana or servants of ours or, or our masjid for us, etc. It is idhafatu tashrif. It is to show honor to the place. So barakna hawla. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that we had blessed this area. We had blessed this land. So that was the first thing. It is a blessed land spiritually and in a worldly sense, materialistically. Those people who have been there will inform you that the amount of barakah blessing there is in the fruit or the produce of that area is, is unparalleled. And then it is the home of the Anbiya Salam. Most Anbiya Salam had traveled or uh, Malaika, some Malaika of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely performed Salah in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And it is Ardul Manshari Wal Mahshar. It is the area wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect the whole humankind. And it was the first Qibla. It was the place, the first Qibla. And another significance of it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow Dajjal to enter it. Among the many places that Dajjal will not be allowed to enter will be Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Masjid Al-Haram, uh, Medina Munawara, and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Dajjal will not be able to enter it. His people will come out and they will go to Dajjal to form his, the army of Dajjal towards the end of time. And Imam Mahdi, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he will lead the believers in Salah here. And when Isa alayhi salatu descend, this will be around Fajr time. And Imam Mahdi radiallahu ta'ala he will be leading this, he will be the iqamah will have been called out and he will be about to perform the salah. When he's about to perform salah, Isa alayhi salatu salam will come in and Imam Mahdi will yamshil qahqara, he will walk backwards and he will try to say, no, you are the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you are here, I have no authority above you. So then Isa alayhi salatu salam, laka uqimati fasalli, you perform salah because the salah, the iqamah has been called for you, so you continue. So then the ulama explain that look at the grandeur or the honor Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted the ummah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That a Nabi will perform salah behind an ummati of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Although obviously this will be the only salah. Thereafter, Isa alayhi salatu wa will take the reins and he will be in charge of the whole situation. But anyway, that's another topic. And another thing that makes it Masjid al-Aqsa a place of significance and importance is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have chosen any part of the world to, to, to take Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa from, to make it the first station. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose al-Masjid al-Aqsa. And th these, uh, these points that we have mentioned go to show how important it is, how important Masjid al-Aqsa is. And we see the time is, uh, is running out. And from the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Nabi Sallallahu has mentioned with regards to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa that a person should not travel to any masjid except to three masajid and among those masajid that he mentioned La tushaddu rihal illa la thalathati masajid and he mentioned Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and a person who performs salah in this place here in Masjid Al-Aqsa his salah is multiplied 500 times you learn from other hadith that it can be multiplied 1,000 times, 50,000 times, etc. But the most authentic hadith is that it is multiplied 500 times. And a person should be connected to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Oh yeah. And a person who performs, who takes, uh, who sets us for Hajj Umrah, tying his ihram from there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him his sins, number one. Or in another riwayat, according to another variation of the hadith, is that the person wajabat lahul jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make jannah wajib for this person. And another virtue... And this virtue goes to show how each and every single one of us should be connected to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. 
So then one Sahabi couldn't go to Al Masjid Al Aqsa. So then he says, she says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sahabiya, that I could, I, if you can't go, then, then what you should do? Then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, send some olive oil for them. Olive oil, Masjid Al Aqsa, you know, it's a land where it is literally produced. So then why is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam specifically instructing us to send olive oil to this area? Some muhaddithin, scholars of hadith have mentioned that this was Nabi Sallallahu foretelling the amounts, apart from the other 40 hadith that are mentioned about the greatness of these areas, the Nabi Sallallahu was foretelling, prophesizing the amount of difficulties that these people will go through. And when they go through those difficulties, what will be your responsibility and what will, what will be our responsibility to them? Says so then send to them olive oil which will be lit in the masajid. In other words, we should send some monetary assistance to them. There are many aids, etc. that are, people are trying to send there as well. So we should find out which ones are authentic so that we do not misuse our money or lose our money in the process. But then we should render that assistance. And there are many other things that we can do, but due to time, inshallah, we'll try and uh, cut it short. And we won't go into the amount of conquest that have taken place or the liberation of our Masjid al-Aqsa, etc. But the most important of them is that of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi and that of Umar ta'ala anhu. When Masjid al-Aqsa was liberated from the oppressors, Sayyidina Umar ta'ala went there and he was the one, as they say, the Jews and the Christians that said that it is written in our scriptures that you will be the one who will take it from, uh, from us. You will be the one who will take the, the keys. So Sayyidina Umar ta'ala went there, that whole incident about Abu Ubaidah etc. But the most important thing here to take home is the lecture which he gave on that day. So he called the people and he says, Ya ayyuhan nas, aslihu sarairakum tuslih alaniyatakum. Alaniyatakum. That, O oh people, reform your inner self. Correct your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it such that your conditions would be favorable to you. So we understand from here that if we are doing well, we are doing good deeds, good deeds are going up, favorable conditions will come down upon the ummah. And the second time is that of Salahuddin al-Ayyubi. Resilience of the man, we require an entire bayan to speak about his virtues alone. Not, uh, not forgetting his conquest, but the virtues of the man, what type of a person he was. Sayyidina Salahuddin Ayyubi, rahimahullah, his connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he was trying to liberate al-Masjid al-Aqsa. So in this is a lesson for us again, amongst the many lessons that we can take from his life, is that we need to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to gain victory over the disbelievers or to liberate Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa from the disbelievers. But then we can go on about that. What is our link to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? Mufti Shafi Sahib writes in Ma'arif Al-Quran that Allah Taala has kept two types of systems for, or different types of systems for Al-Masjid Al-Haram and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Masjid Al-Haram, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran in Majid, Alam tara kayfafala rabbuka bi ashabil fil, that whole incident. That how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala personally protected Masjid Al-Haram from people who are trying to desecrate it and destroy it. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's system when it comes to Al-Masjid Al-Haram. But when it comes to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, what is the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is depending upon you and I. Depending on the type of condition, depending on our amal, the way we will behave, then that is the condition we will see, the, ref the reflection of our condition we will see in Masjid Al-Aqsa. If Masjid Al-Aqsa is in the hands of the believers, that means the Muslims are doing somewhat well. And if it is not in the hands of the believers, that means we are not doing anything good. And we need to rectify ourselves. So what are the things that we can do? Or well, how do we then relate to the pain of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? Number one is the believers are like one body. If, 
ان اشتكى عينه اشتكى راسه ان اشتكى كله if a portion a limb of his body pains then his entire body pains then hadith المؤمن المؤمن للمؤمن كالبنيان the believers in their love and the respect in another hadith they are like one single body if the one part of the body is aching the whole body pains so we cannot say we do not relate to them and another thing we forgot to mention earlier on that it is not the condition of the people of Palestine but rather it is the condition of the whole ummah the entire ummah collectively we need to reform and we need to come right so what are the things that we can do immediately number one is we repent and reattach ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hence Masjid Al-Aqsa as well and then number two is to evaluate ourselves check with yourself don't ever think that you are doing well I'm good enough I am not the one who's responsible I'm reading my salah I'm doing etc everything is above board but should be concerned maybe it's something that we're not doing right and then number three is to participate in charity initiative as we had mentioned earlier on and number four is to take up the plight of the ummah take up the plight of Masjid Al-Aqsa speak about it educate people about it because people are misinformed about it and then number five is to make dua Remember, there are many things that people will try. There are many things that people will do. We will not go into detail about those things. The fatwas differ. But one thing that is unanimous and it is categorical, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guarantees 100% assistance for ourselves and the ummah is dua. That we need to turn into dua. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again and again to liberate Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, to alleviate the conditions there, etc. And this is the only thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, that is guaranteed. That if you're looking for assistance from Allah ta'ala, you do this. And just to finish off on this, Salahuddin Ayyubi rahimahullah, the last victory of his against the crusaders, he turned to Allah, somebody had informed him, advised him, etc. They turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala between the time of khutbah and salah. And make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the result was we all know that he, he was granted victory over them. So we'll never know who is here, who is sitting here, where some special connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and linked to the special moment now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can accept our duas on their behalf. Allah wa ta'ala make it easy. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاة على الفلاح الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمد ونستعين ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه 
ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا من سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم ما بعد ايها المسلمون المسجد في حياه المسلمين له مكانه عظيمه له تاريخ عريق له دور رائد وجل كثير من المسلمين للاسف تاريخ مسجدهم ودور مسجدهم واحكام مسجدهم وما يجب عليهم تجاه مسجدهم ويكفي ان نعلم انه عندما وصل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الى المدينه مهاجرا من مكه كان اول مشروع قام بتنفيذه في عاصمه الطيبه ان وضع حجر الاساس لبناء ذلك المسجد لتنطلق منه الدعوه الاسلاميه ولتربى فيه الاوراح المؤمنه ولتهتدي فيه القلوب الصادقه بنى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مسجده ليكون روضه من رياض الجنه امامه محمد وتلاميذه والصحابه رضي الله تعالى عنهم ومواده المقرره وحي الله عز وجل ايها المسلمون اتقوا الله واعرفوا ما للمساجد من مكانه ما حرمه وقوموا بحقها من واجب الخدمه فانها بيوت الله ومهابه رحمته وملتقى ملائكته والصالحين من من عباده وقد اضافها الرب الى نفسه اضافه تشريف واجلال قال تبارك وتعالى وان المساجد مساجد لله فلا تدوم الله احدا ايها المسلمون المساجد بيوت الله امر المساجد وروادها هم اولياء الله هم اولياء الله واحبابه من خلقه شهد الله لهم بالايمان فقال سبحانه وتعالى انما يامر مساجد الله من امن بالله واليوم الاخر واقام الصلاه واتى الزكاه ولم يخشى الا الله قال لي صلاه وقال لي صلاه سلام اذا رايتم رجل يتعهد المسجد فاشهدوا له بالايمان وقال ايضا من الف المسجد الفه الله لذلك فعدا هذا الدين بجميع مللهم ونحلهم لا يريدون للمساجد ان تعمر لا بالبنيان ولا بالمصلين الموحدين وذلك لعلمهم بان المساجد تهدد بقاهم وتحول بينهم وبين شهواتهم وتنهي تواجدهم في الارض فمن ذلك لا يريدون امارتها وانما يسعون جاهدون الى هدمها وازالتها من الارض وقد اشاره وقد اشار الحق سبحانه وتعالى الى ظلمه وتغيان الى ظلمهم وتغيانهم بقوله ومن اظلم ممن منع مساجد الله اي يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها اولئك ما كان لهم يدخلوها الا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الاخره عذاب عظيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا من سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا مولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله وصحبه بارك وسلم اما بعد فيا ايها الناس اتقوا الله تعالى في السر والعلن وذروا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن وحافظوا للجمعه والجماعه ووطنوا انفسكم على السمع والطاعه واعلموا ان الله امركم بامر بدا فيه بنفسه ثم ثنى بملائكه قدسه ثم ثلث بالمؤمنين من بريه جني وانسه فقال تبجيلا قضي حبيبي وتعظيما ان الله وملائكته يصلون للنبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وقال لي صلاه وسلام البخيل من ذكرت انه فلم يصلي عليه وقال لي صلاه وسلام صلى عليه واحده صلى الله عليه عشرا اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على حب خلقك اليك واكرم من ديك سيدنا مولانا محمد وآله وصحبه وتابعيه كما تحب وترضى عدد ما تحب وترضى ورد الله من ابي بكر صديق نبيك من قال في حقه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لو كنت متخذا خليلا لاتخذت ابا بكر خليلا رضي الله تعالى عنه ورد الله من الناطق بالصدق الصواب من قال في حق سيد الجن والبشر لو كان بعدي نبي لكان عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه ورد الله من كامل الحياء والايمان من قال في حق سيد ولد عنان لكل نبي رفيق في الجنه ورفيقي في عثمان بن عفان رضي الله تعالى عنه ورد الله من المركز الولاة والقضاء من قال في حق النبي الاواه من كنت مولاه علي المولى 
Rasulullah radiyallahu ta'ala wa nkuli sahabati azma'in ibadallah rahimakumullah inna Allah ya'mur bil adli wal ihsan wa ita'idhi al-qurba wa anhani al-fahshah wa al-munkari wa al-bagh ya'idhukum la'allakum tadakkarun faqala tabarak wa ta'ala fadhkuruni adhkurukum muskuruli wa la takfurun Allah Akbar الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا والنين والتين والزيتون وطول سنين وهذا البلد الأمين لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن تقويم ثم رددناه أسفل سافلين إن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات فلهم فلهم أجر غير ممنون فما يكذبك بعد بالدين أليس الله بأحكم الحاكمين الله أكبر سميع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الظالمين والتين والزيتون وطول سنين وهذا البلد الأمين لإيلاف قريش إيلافهم رحلة الشتاء والصيف فليعبدوا رب هذا البيت الذي 
ഹമീൻ <laughs> <laughs> 